So welcome everyone. If you are tuning in, then I have the beautiful, fabulous, spirit-filled Jade with us today. If you are part of the den, I already know you're listening and giving big, big energy. You know she is our gem. She is our queen. Um, and so I came into contact with Jade. I had the beautiful privilege of meeting her through Danielson. If you guys aren't familiar with that, then Pastor Darius Daniels has kind of a leadership, spiritual intelligence, emotional intelligence program, coaching program, uh, where you get connected with other people who are serious about being Daniels, making a difference in the market place and Jade was part of the first cohort, cohort on that uh, venture and she gosh every time we would have a lunch and learn she would be dropping gems that people were just eating up eating up eating up and so when I finally was encouraged to start a podcast I already knew she was someone I wanted to connect with and then when the Holy Spirit dropped her name in my heart it was a no-brainer like we were going to do it so I humbly requested that she would be on the podcast here on Rooted, and she so graciously agreed. So, Jade, thank you so much for being yes. here. Thank you for having me. You know yeah. I love you. <laughs> I love you back. So, <laughs> Jade is someone who, if you're intentional about walking in purpose, she's someone you need to have, like, in your ear. You need to be following her on social media. You need to be part of her coaching group and program. I'm going to let her talk to you guys a little bit about IPOP, but she is someone who, one, is going to keep it real with you. Like, there is no pretense. She's going to give you the real and the raw, but it's always supported by biblical truth and practical steps on how, if you're serious about your growth, she's going to help you get there. So, Jay, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and kind of what you're up to now. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction. You know, can nobody do it like you? You know, I'm going <laughs> to always be a fan of you. But yes, um, I operated out of my own company. I have In Purpose, On Purpose. Everybody knows it as IPOP, which is for In Purpose, On Purpose. <laughs> and um, I am a life coach um, for purpose and emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. which go hand in hand, because obviously if we're walking in our purpose, we need to be emotional, intelligent enough to that do so. Part. And that so part. it all works hand in hand. And then I operate out of the gift of prophecy. And so I also um, have prophetic, I'm a prophetic advisor, um, mm -hmm. a strategist for business people. And so that is what I do for a living. And I coach, and you can find me at inpurpose, onpurposellc.com. And it has all my coaching information, um, how you can contact me and how you can uh, reach out to me for coaching. Awesome. And I'll make sure when this episode goes live, I'll put all your contact info. But I want to touch a little bit on when you talked about your prophetic gifting. So you guys know whenever you're going to film a show or talk to someone, you have like a pre-meeting. Jade and I met a couple of weeks ago. And when I tell you, those who know me know I'm not an emotional person. And I think Jade would probably say she's not a typical emotional person either. Um, she had me crying, y'all. She had me crying because when I tell you, a lot of people may claim to have a prophetic gift, but it's confirmed, right? When someone can tell you something that you've been praying in private about, and there were three specific things I've been praying in private about. And Jade was like, look, I just want to let you know that this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, okay, so when Jane says that, she's serious, and she's not saying it to be braggadocious, she's confident in what it is that God has called her to do, and there, there's nothing wrong with knowing your uniqueness and using that to glorify God, so I'm so grateful. 
Um, during that same conversation, Jade, you talked about how intentionally you are about who you partner with and what you share when you're on a platform and you had kind of a specific area that you felt the Lord had given you to address. So you want to start by telling us a little about it and then we'll just kind of ping pong. Yes. Uh, we were talking about boundaries. Mm. And so when I was talking, before I do everything, I like to pray because Holy Spirit is the force multiplier first. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit can come over and take over everything. And so I always make sure to make it a point to pray about what we're going to talk about and what needs to be discussed because the Holy Spirit is all in the details of yeah. everything. And so when I ask God, okay, how would you have me to serve and when I go on our podcast, what would you like me to talk about? And so what God had brought up to me is about how we set boundaries, about boundaries. And we were talking about boundaries and setting boundaries and why that is so difficult to do. And so when you were bringing it up, I was like thinking about all my clients and their different personalities. Mm -hmm. And everything always starts even through therapy or coaching with childhood how we were raised and kind of like that is our DNA. And so mm -hmm. when I had asked God about it, he had brought my awareness about our attachment styles and okay. attachment styles are ways interact. We interact and behave in relationships. And so he brought to my awareness that there's four different attachment styles, um, secure, avoidant, anxious, and fearful. Mm. And so based off of these attachment styles, it contributes to how we communicate and setting boundaries, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, based off of what God was downloading to me in the time when I was praying about it. Yeah. And so when we have the four different attachment styles, you know, secure is our balance, like the one we want to be secure. Mm -hmm. And but the the great thing is mostly 50 percent of people are secure. OK. And so okay. a secure attachment style is the people who are probably the best at setting boundaries mm, okay. have a high value of their self and a high positive value about others. Okay. And so with secure people, it is what it is. Like there's no more to it. They know how to communicate because they know what they want and they know what they need. Yeah. And so they are secure and they know who they are as a person. And so they tend to be the more balanced attachment style. And the one that would be our optimal goal to be is secure. That makes sense. Yeah. But when I did more research, I found out there's avoidant and anxious. And with anxious people, that is 25% of people. Mm. And anxious people usually are men. Wow. Or avoidant. Sorry, sorry, I'm not going to do it. Anxious yeah. people are usually women. Wow, yeah. And so women have the anxious, secure style. And yeah. so with men, that's 20% as well. And that is the avoidant style. Wow. And so, you know, avoidant people are usually dismissive. They deflect, you know, and so I was learning in real time, like they have a positive view of themselves, a negative view of others. Mm. So avoidance are like, I can do it. I'm gonna solve the problem, you know? So they look at things through that lens. An anxious person, they usually are extreme. They, they're fixers and that's women. And so yeah. they want to fix the problem. They're, they can be codependent. They have high and low issues with those communication styles they have a negative view of themselves and a positive view of others wow and that's 25 percent. yes wow. now with fearful people that's only five percent so that's a good thing yeah so fearful they don't trust they have a negative view of self and a negative view of others yeah 
And so it would be very hard to be a fearful person and be able to communicate because they don't trust people and they have a hard time leaving. They stick things out because they're fearful of losing people. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It was just showing me like if you're fearful, of course, when you're setting boundaries and things, you want you're fearful of what will happen because you communicate that. Mm -hmm. Because you probably grew up maybe with one parent or you're scared somebody's going to leave yeah. or, you know, you have a fear of the backlash of you setting that boundary. Yeah. No, that if makes sense. And then if you're anxious, I'm guessing you would be a person who probably overthinks. So you run the conversation through in your head a hundred times. If I yeah. say this, you're probably going to react like this. They're going to do this because you have a negative view. Oh, I probably am not going to say it right. But you have a, you're like people pleasing a little bit. Yes. Right? Yes. And then avoid it. It's like you don't, they don't, because secure and anxious people have low emotional avoidance. Mm. So secure people and anxious people, they can handle the emotional part. Yeah of the conversation yeah. but secure and avoidant people have low anxiety anxious and fearful people have high anxiety and avoidant and fearful sense. people have high emotional avoidance yeah. so that is men usually and fearful people they avoid emotional conversations yeah so it was just wow. like when i was learning all this stuff i was like wow that's deep because you can see how that would affect our communication and setting Absolutely, down. absolutely not. And affect, it affects everything, your communication, relationships, setting boundaries. And then I can imagine also it affects your ability to walk confidently in your purpose, right? If you're an avoided person, you want to address those issues that need to be addressed. If you're an anxious person, you'll probably overthink yourself out of making those, you know, hard decisions. Right. And if you're a fearful person, then you're probably second guessing everything that you're even considering doing. And so at the fear of losing something, you right, know, the fear right. you have like to have that fear. That means you would work, you would walk in the fearfulness of just not being enough and yeah. like not, not feeling like you have that um, self-esteem necessary. Mm. And so a lot of these fall into self-esteem issues too. Yeah. And I can see how that would also feed into imposter syndrome, right? Because you just fear that you're not enough, even if all the evidence shows otherwise. Your, right. your mindset is telling you that you can't do it or it's too hard or you don't belong here. There isn't enough for you. I was just talking the other day about imposter syndrome and this idea of how imposter syndrome can show up as called a soloist. And it's a person who thinks they have to do everything on their own, right? Like, like everything's on me. Right, right. Everything is on me. I got to make it work. I got to do it all. And it's really a fear of connecting in relationships. They view asking for help as being weak. And I can see where even an avoidant person would show up in that place because they're just like, mm, I'd rather not. Like, I just don't even want that. And men are also raised to be that person. That part. And so it's how you're raised, um, yeah. even with genders, is how we're raised and how to handle conflict. And so what I believe God is doing is teaching us a new way to move forward mm. and like mm-hmm. taking that, dissembling it, giving us emotional te- intelligence, which is your awareness yeah. to know how to maneuver through this. Because to me, it's a good sign that 50% of people are secure, yeah. which to me shows me that people can have those conversations Maybe they don't know how, but it's not that they can't do it. Right. You know, the how part of it is probably where 
it could maybe have, you know, where people could have issues, but it's a good sign that people are willing. Now, when you throw in the word confrontation, mm. sometimes with childhood, that negative, like the, the whole word confrontation. Yeah. And being Talk able about to, that. Or uh, confrontation has a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, like there's words that have negative connotation um, for one reason or another. That would yeah. be like, um, you're defensive, you're aggressive, yes. um, like all these different terms, confrontation, no, mm -hmm. confrontation. so it has a bad connotation to it. And yeah. so when people think about confronting things, it automatically makes you have a trauma response. Yes. And yes. so it can handicap you because it emotionally hijacks you because now you're looking at it as a negative thing. Yeah. And I think that really ties into, you know, the whole series that was current on the podcast was Fight Club talking about conflict. And when you mentioned earlier, like, you know, especially your childhood experiences helped to frame, right, your approach to life. And it talked about how, whether it's, you know, your cognitive thinking, your early childhood experiences, learned behaviors, things that you weren't even aware you were picking up over time. And so the great thing is that, I know we can avoid having these types of tough conversations about conflict and confrontation, again, because you said it carries this negative connotation, which is true, right? We automatically think it's something negative instead of viewing it as an opportunity to say, hey, here's an, an area we need to address. But when it comes to that, our approach to handling confrontation or conflict is often skewed based on, again, whether we're secure, whether we're avoidant, whether we're anxious, whether we're fearful. So if someone is serious, like, okay, I'm self-aware, I realize I'm a fearful person or anxious person, is there an opportunity for them to change that or just however you are is how you are? I think there's an opportunity. I always believe there's an opportunity to change it. I think the awareness, just like with emotions, it's not that you don't have the emotions, it's being aware of it. Once mm -hmm. you're aware of something, you can call something a thing. Yeah. You don't yeah. know you don't have the awareness, so you can't call it a thing. And when you can call it a thing, you're more aware that it operates in you. Yeah. So you're going to try to fix it because you know, okay, I am an avoidant person. I don't want to be. So that makes you hold yourself accountable like, I will not be avoiding in this conversation. Yeah. Most people don't have the awareness to know that that is a thing to be able to move forward. And so that's what emotional intelligence even does is gives you that awareness of your emotions so that you can properly move forward or correct. Yeah. You know, like correct the behavior, not overcorrect, because a lot of times people overcorrect and then they become the extreme opposite. Absolutely. It's like to correct, to bring the balance so that we're talking about this in regards to setting boundaries. You can properly set boundaries because one thing about it is when we do set boundaries, we even have different everybody has a different thought press process about even what a boundary is yes absolutely. and how to set it and so that word even has a connotation in our head what a boundary means right right and so right. as a culture we're such extremists <laughs> we can't do anything a little bit it reminds me of what it reminds me of like okay I had a breakthrough in life and I was like trying to figure out I wanted to lose weight and I'm like trying yeah. to figure out all these things and everybody's like well what are you doing you know people want to you know when you want to lose weight you know everybody got their doctor. so you know everybody <laughs> you know don't tell nobody you're on a diet what? you know everybody got something to say so they're like well it must be something and then somebody was like well maybe you're an emotional eater and I'm like no because in the movies yeah the way my mind 
associates uh that type of eat or emotional eater is that they eat in a whole box of cookies right they right. stressed out they eat a whole pizza you know right. like it's just always like oh i'm stressed and they're like maxing so right. i'm like i don't do that stuff right. like you know but i'm sitting here but i realized i am an emotional eater mm. just not the extreme version of it mm. i'm an emotional eater because when i'm emotional i want comfort food yes doesn't mean i ate the whole food it might mean I ate a slice of the pizza. Yeah, yeah. I wanted something good because I'm emotional. Right, so right. It's not right. like, you know, so I'm thinking I don't have that problem, right. but I do. <laughs> yes, yes. And so it's the same thing with boundaries, emotions, and all the rest of the things. We do have a lot of things, but because they don't show up as the extreme, which usually to me is um, when you, when things are extreme, it's trauma. Yes. So I do believe most of us kind of ride in the middle. And when you ride in the middle, it's harder to decipher where the issue is because yeah. it's not extreme and it doesn't show up as the extreme version. Right. And, and you so, may not be seeing the negative effects, right? Because it's not right. waiting all the time. It's not negative enough. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not to, enough for you to like, call it a thing. Right. Right. Because you're not even aware. And I think like Pastor Darius has been talking about this when you've been getting by right for for so long so you're just like oh it's not really an issue but guys like no you can't go to the next place with this thing still holding on to you that thing because when he elevates you you have to elevate yes you know? and so what you <laughs> yes. got away with before is not what you get away with now mm -hmm. and there's something too so a lot of people don't do self-development because once you know you're held accountable yes god says there's never anything he won't let you know right so right. once you know, you can't say you don't know. Right. Once you that's where know, the other, <laughs> that's where the accountability <laughs> comes in because he has brought it to my awareness that yes. this is the issue and this is something I need to work out. Yeah. And so how we do that in relation to even boundaries. Yeah. So let's say we're talking about setting boundaries. We have these attachment styles, all these things. I do believe from my clients and from talking to people that when we say we're setting boundaries, people think of like such an extreme setting boundaries. I feel like people automatically think of romantic relationships. Yes. When you're like, no, we can't mess around. Right. Like, right. This is like so extreme. Like right. you know, I'm cutting you off. You right. don't get Never to me. Me. <laughs> but I believe if we, we could do better if we learn how to set soft boundaries mm. because mm. everything is not a hard boundary. Yes. And so what I'm learning with boundary setting is usually people who have people pleasing, avoiding pain, punishment, all mm -hmm. these complex issues have a problem with setting even the soft boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And so they think of everything as extreme, which would also make you have a negative connotation because right. you're just cutting everybody off. Right. <laughs> no relationships. Right. Like she made me mad setting a boundary. Right. Like we don't, we don't talk. No. And so I'm seeing like, especially because we're learning about boundaries, that everybody is talking about how they setting all these boundaries. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. Yeah. There's also a way to have boundaries, set boundaries, but it doesn't even mean that you have to necessarily have a conversation with somebody. Right. It just means to me that you're pivoting. Yes. So and it's, it's like maybe I called you every day and it's like you didn't do nothing wrong, but right. I'm thinking that we have um, attachment and right. so trauma bonders. And so mm -hmm. when I call you, I didn't go in that place. Well, now I got new revelation and I don't want, I'm learning about myself and now I don't want to trauma bond with you. Right. It don't right. mean I cut you off as a person. Right. It doesn't mean you a bad person. Yeah. mean you're not my friend anymore. It could just mean setting a boundary would be like, I don't call you to vent. Right. 
that part. And I, I don't even have to let you know that. I don't have right. to be like, hey, <laughs> hey girl, because people are starting to do that. And I'm like, no, you won't have nobody around you. Right. It's just, <laughs> you got to pivot silently. Everything right. that warrant that type of conversation. That's so good. And me, also, I'm not going to call you. And uh, Right. And also, I think sometimes people who take these extremes with boundaries, it's another way to deflect. Like, oh, it's the other person that's the problem, so I need to tell them they're the problem. When really what starts with setting boundaries with ourselves, right? If you know you overshare, you don't have to tell everybody, like, I'm going to stop telling you. Just just stop just stop telling them everything, right? Like, start with <laughs> start with you first. The and other I think, thing, go ahead. The other thing I notice about when we're talking about boundaries that uh, I see come up a lot is that, people create boundaries without information. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's where a lot of negativity comes from because they assume in their mind, this person might've talked about you. They set this extreme boundary. And so the reason why soft boundaries are important is because sometimes you're making decision off half truths. Yes. Yes. And so you wouldn't yes. have nobody around. You would be the bad guy because right. you're setting boundaries and it wasn't even her who talked about you or it wasn't right. her. Like, right. but you never had, you're avoiding that conversation. And what mm-hmm. happens is people make boundaries without ever having conversations with right. you. It doesn't right. even mean you need to let the person know this is why we have a conversation. You can have a conversation and then pivot accordingly, but right. people don't even give the person the justice. They make their mind up what they want That's to believe. So good. And they yeah. make their mind up and they set a boundary according to that. And right. that's why I see a lot of boundaries backfire because it really wasn't that person or it really mm-hmm. wasn't what you did. And the revelation doesn't come till after. And right. now you cut somebody off who was pivot pivotal in your life. And so you right. have to be very careful and having discernment when you're doing your boundaries as well. Yeah, no, that's so good because again, it, it can be at an extreme, another avoided behavior, right? Like, I don't want to have the conversation. I don't want to be emotionally involved. So it's easy just to say I'm cutting that person off, which really isn't a boundary. Like, ending a relationship is not a boundary. Now the relationship is over, right? <laughs> it's gone. Boundaries are how can we operate in this relationship? And maybe that means we don't have as much contact, or maybe it means it's something I need to address. Right. But yeah, I do think that people will feel very justified in calling it a boundary when it's really you, ha- you know, exhibiting your avoided behavior. You don't right. want to deal and with the real issue. You're never going to grow that way. Right. So, you know, that's not a growth mindset. And right. so with that, you know, those people can stay stuck because mm-hmm. you're just avoiding all those conversations, all that stuff. And you're always the person who didn't do anything or the person. And so the growth happens when you can have that conversation and the person is like, no, you did. Sometimes right. you feel like, why they didn't set no boundary with me? Right. You know? <laughs> I'm the toxic one. I'm the problem. It's right. <laughs> I'm the problem. I did that. You know, and then also what that does is I'm learning people just don't have, they cannot communicate. But yeah. what the communication does is allow, there's never been ever, I tell my clients this all the time, a time where I had a conversation with somebody and felt drastically worse afterwards. Uh, it doesn't even mean I agree, but you release it. Yes. You know, yes. all that awkward tension and energy that builds up, like it's so unnecessary when you yes. can just be like, you know, I was kind of mad when you did that and you have, and you release it mm-hmm. and it allows you to allow the other person to speak. And you learn yes. that we're all just people trying to figure this out. Yes. Everything is not so intentional. 
everything is not, you know, what you make it because we have that conversation in our head and it allows you to have grace and mercy for people. That part. Yeah, I think it definitely, I think the more you delve into your own growth journey and learn how to show grace to yourself, it fuels you to want to show grace and mercy to other people. Because I honestly believe for the most part, most of us are doing the best we can with what we know. It doesn't mean that we don't have areas that we need to work on, but most of us are not out here, unless you're a sociopath or psychopath, trying to intentionally hurt people. It happens and it, you know, amends need to be made, conversations need to be had and forgiveness extended, but most of us are not trying to hurt people. And when you hold on to those things that you're unwilling to communicate about, it builds resentment. It yes. builds bitterness. You start telling yourself this narrative that that person's not for you or they're out to get you or people don't love you when really a conversation just needs to be had. And and the most time is like, okay, we're talking about even so say business boundaries. When you're experiencing mm-hmm. extreme growth, it can be very uncomfortable because you have to set boundaries because you outgrow people. And yeah. so your degree of revelation doesn't always come at the same time as the people around you. And so what happens, I think, um, emotionally is that you start having that survivor remorse, that survivor guilt. Like you're like, I got to pull them with me instead of setting that boundary because I see a lot of people's companies fall down or a lot of things happen because you want to bring everybody with you and you're not able to properly set that boundary. So it doesn't, when you set the boundary, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It could just mean that person can't be in your business right Right. now or like a part of your business. And so when you're doing that, you have survivor's remorse because you're thinking, Maybe somebody did that to you in the past. You know, you're leaving people behind. That's not what it's about. But I believe when you do things based off of the Holy Spirit's function or God's function, then I feel like God always brings people back to you. Like there's no malice there when you do things like with the right heart and the right posture. And so I believe like, it's not like, it's like, see you later, not always goodbye. And Mm -hmm. so you have to be willing to move. And I do believe when you're experiencing like those extreme growth, it's like not too long ago, you were with that person. You were that person. So right. you're like looking at it from that lens is that I used to be her or right. I was her. And so what would I want at that time? You would want somebody to pull you with, but yeah. everybody also does not do the work to be able to be pulled that with. Part. And yeah. so God operates through people. So he'll send people. And if you have these people taking up the spots, you can't get to where you go. And we're getting, and the point of me getting there is so I can bring you with me later. Right. So you have right. to get there first. Right. I have to go. And so I feel like when I'm dealing with business people, when I have to go, that is where we have the breakdown. That's when we start having, you know, even in the business sector, the boundaries, the emotions, the all the guilt that comes with that. Um, And we're silently suffering when we have to do these things because we used to to be that person. Right. So it is one of the harder challenges for people. Uh, especially business people, entrepreneurs, yeah. able to even set boundaries, not just in personal relationships, because at some point, I think when we're talking about this stuff, we're not talking about so much personally anymore because business is such a big part of our yes. world that it's not like, you know, your relationships, you, okay, you got a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. you know, we're older now, you might have two or three friends. So right. it's not really right. that extreme in that right. area. It's going to be usually in your entrepreneurial experience or your business where you have to deal with these issues and you're comfortable with dealing with this. And that's why I think also um, 
you know, as a business law attorney who helps, you know, people form businesses, I try to get them to see the bigger picture, um, when, especially when they're choosing who to partner with and who to move forward with, that it's so much more about, you know, oh, that's my homegirl or that's my friend or whatever. Like, one, how is God leading you in this situation to partner? And also, are you prepared to have those difficult conversations that may need to be had? One of the things I had to learn in entrepreneurship is freeing up expectations I had on my business partner to be or do who I wanted her to be or what I wanted her to do. And we showed grace to one another in that what is God leading us to do in this season? Because if your focus in this season is more on family or whatever it may be, and mine is more, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, you're being disloyal to me because you're not where I'm at. God could very much have that purpose for you in this season. And I want you to be free to do whatever it is God has you to do. And then that same grace is extended to me. So there isn't this resentment or bitterness of like, man, you know, like I'm dragging this person along or, you know, she's trying to leave me behind. It's very much about being, okay. you know, intentional about that's in purpose, so on purpose, good. right? And like, is, that's <laughs> so good. That's so real because I always thank God for when you do know your purpose, moving forward in adulthood, you're able to communicate what your vision for your life is more so than when we were back in the day and we had to yeah. adjust in real time. It's like, I know what my purpose is right. and in doing so and figuring that out and walking in that, I thank God for the people he surrounded me with because they understand your call. Yeah. So they know I operate in prophetic evangelism, which yeah. means I am the people person. Right. My friends right. have that awareness that you're not going to get that amount of attention from me because my job is to go out, be around people. Yeah. Whereas their job might not be that. And so the one thing I do understand is that when you walk in purpose, people understand your identity yeah. and what you're supposed to do. And so they can support that because you have a vision. It's just yeah. like being married. You can't support people when they don't have a vision. So when I have a vision for my life, right. I know what I'm walking in. Right. I can communicate that. I can stand 10 toes down. My character backs it up. And so my friends don't have all of those different issues. Like she, you know, if I could make it to their birthday, they know it's because I'm doing something. Right. They know it's right. because I couldn't, you know, I can't do what I used to do. They know I have to go out. They know I'm not their only friend. Right. They don't treat me with that pressure of being right. like, talk to me. They know right. even if we're out, I'm going to go talk to the people. Yeah. They, they might be over there eating by themselves at the table. By the time I done went to the bathroom, right. I four friends. <laughs> you know, my friends understand that about me and they right. don't feel bad about that. That's beautiful. So I do think the key to that part is having that awareness of what you're supposed to do. When yeah. you're supposed to do it. If you're a prayer warrior, having that awareness, I got to pray. I got to intercede. Yeah. I have to go have me time. I have to go away, be quiet. I might not be able to hang out with you every weekend because yeah. it's all in my life. You respect that. If people mm -hmm. don't respect that basic part, then they're not people you should be around at. Right. Point, which yeah. I don't you think that healed people, you know, when you start healing, you do also start attracting healed people. So yeah. I don't think that when you're doing the work, it naturally happens more than what people are aware of. That yeah. is not such a force, but there are people who you have those um, soul ties with. And I don't believe it's just in sexual relationships or male. Yeah. you have soul ties with more friends to me than anybody yes. else. Employers yes. than anybody yes. else. Those people affect your emotions more than anybody else. And so that soul tie, releasing that tie, that trauma by and things like that or I feel like are usually issues you deal with when you're about to go to the next level every time yeah. 
That's so good. And I love how you talked about like having that network of people around you, kind of your inner circle who understands your calling and your purpose. And when you said this, I was like, see, Holy Spirit, you always be connected and chained. I, because when you talked about even like in a marital relationship, right? Like you have to be as the head able to articulate the vision if you're expecting me to submit and come up underneath it. And that's, I already recorded like some content about that because submission gets such a an ugly rap and I'm thinking y'all are abdicating your responsibility and your choice. Let the let the man articulate his vision. If it aligns with yours, guess what? Y'all can come together. If it doesn't, you have the freedom to say, no, sir. Yeah. I choose not to submit to that vision. Okay. God is even pro-choice. So <laughs> even in friendship, relationship, I'm going to allow you to choose. I'm not going to knock you upside the head once you're nope. in it. Now, even as a person, just like you do your household, you are that as your own entity yeah. by yourself. And yeah. so you have to be able to communicate what you need, how you need, which is all secure attachment style. Yes. What you, yeah. need, you know what you need. You know right. how to communicate. You're balanced. You don't have no negative perception, about, but you have to be able to articulate what you, because people can't guess. Right, right. At that point, the older we get, the more healing we do, the more work we do, we can, when we have, um, relationships come people know what they're getting and they can mm -hmm. decide if they want to come into that or you, you or, know, not. Go. But or not but like I say it's pro-choice so yes. you have a choice and so it's not like you're stuck in a relationship and trying to figure out how to get out and you didn't yeah know absolutely in the same like you said even in the professional career arena if your job isn't aligned like you have a choice to not work there why are you going to be miserable making the other people in the workplace miserable you don't want to be there and at this point they don't want you there <laughs> Like it's not aligning. So it's just one of those things that we do have a choice and it's okay to realize that maybe you made a bad choice and now, okay, I got to correct and, and, and be self-aware yes. enough to say, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing, but to just always talks about on, that. it's crazy, right? It's going to always talks about that being yeah. committed to a bad choice. Yes. You, know, you don't have to commit like, and I always tell my clients, you know, you can change your mind Yes. about anything. Anything. Like what happens is our ego gets involved. And a lot of times people are committed to bad decisions because mm -hmm. they're not willing to change their mind, even about right. like, right. okay, you formed this opinion of this person. You formed all this. You find out because your degree of revelation is not the same as someone else's. So you find out it wasn't even this person behind all the stuff, you right. know, made him the bad guy. And you're so committed. You have such an ego that you can't even change your mind about a person. Right. I just don't like it. Thing. Right. You have to be right. You know, right. Like, and so it's like, you can change your mind. You have, Absolutely. you can change your mind about anything, anybody, right. any situation or any bad decision. Yeah. And about yourself. If you let a oh, negative yeah. tape, right. A negative message about who you are and you don't, know your identity you can change and make different decisions today and give yourself the grace to go through the process it won't happen overnight we are so hard on ourselves like okay i realize now that i'm avoided so i got to change everything out the gate that's not gonna last right it reminds like, me of that video where people be like you know when people be like you've changed i'm like you haven't right <laughs> like <laughs> Like, it's just the dumbest That's the problem. I hope so. Like, right. who wants to be the same? I'm not trying to be, you know, right. I know what I got to work through. I'm not trying right. to be, I want you to not recognize me. You, I want right. you to be my glow up, period. If you knew me in high school and you think I'm that same person, I'm doing something wrong. And you also like, think something <laughs> mentally wrong. Like, I'm not even the same person I was a couple of months ago. Right, right. So, like, right. <laughs> and so your growth requires that for you to be yeah. flexible enough to change. And yeah. so- I think a lot of times that um, when you're trying to change, it's uncomfortable. And what people mm -hmm. do is um, you go back to what's comfortable 
because when you're growing and stuff, it's all unfamiliar. And so when it gets too hot, a lot of times we stop trying to change and we go back to what is familiar. And then it's the same cycle over and over because we can't, we can't handle the uncomfortable. And even in saying that, it reminds me of just the same as conversations. Yes. Boundaries were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so you go back to what's familiar, which would be most of the time our attachment style. Yeah. Even if you're trying to outgrow it, you get like, oh my God, it's getting yeah. too unfamiliar. And you go That's back to, good. okay, I'm going to be back avoided. Yeah, like, you know, absolutely, like- absolutely. And then you throw in the element of spiritual warfare in there. You know what I mean? And if you're not willing to stand, you'll go right back to what's familiar, even if you're miserable, right? You'll be calling out for Egypt. And God's right. like, no, no. No, no. It's, like, it's you know, just like when people are on drugs and how they take them through yeah. a detox. Like yeah. it's hard to go through that. Like people yeah. don't make it through that whole journey because you are you got the shakes. You yeah. shake anybody who can make it through that. I give them kudos and right. props. But people can't stand the heat. Like right. it gets too much, and you, and then people will just they need that hit. And right. so it's the same with all of the other stuff too. It's not just drugs. You need that hit. Like you need mm-hmm. that comfort. You need that, you know, and that and that gets your endorphins going. And so you go back to what's familiar. And yeah. so it's hard because it's like going to A. It's like going when you're going through these emotions. This is what emotions um control everything yeah. that you do. And so yeah. when you're going through emotional healing, um, people have a real hard time letting go and growing and being uncomfortable right things that are uncomfortable people have a really hard time and I think that's so important that you're acknowledging that it's going to be an uncomfortable process because I think people get into it I know people that I coach and mentor they think because they're uncomfortable they're doing something wrong and I'm like no if you're feeling uncomfortable it's because you're resisting that same pattern that you've been in over time and you're gonna have to push through and persist on if you want something different because what happens is again once you've been exposed you can't be unexposed and once you're aware that this is the area that you're suffering even if you go back to that old thing that used to work it don't hit the same you got to take it up a notch like if it used to be like oh I'm just gonna text him or I'm just gonna do this one thing now it's oh he got to come over right it's always gonna go up a level because the 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 hit is not hitting the way right will you commit yourself to emotional growth God joins in on that journey Mm. to heal you and so when you do do that, um, you're committed to it. God reveals you to yourself first. Yeah. And so that's a hard part because you've told yourself these stories and how life has happened to you. And you learn that your emotional filter is not proper because what happens is God shows you you first. And, yeah. and then you're like, I'm a monster or, you yeah. know, like you're like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes people don't get past that part. Yeah. He yeah. takes you through a healing process with him. Mm. and so he first shows you this is your stuff this is your baggage right now we got to unpack all of these things once he does that part um you then have a different lens through which you see all of your life mm. so he changes your perspective yeah and so when he does that then you have that worship for God like you don't have those strongholds because they're released because now you know God had his hand on your life even in the bad stuff so it just reminds me of Tim Ross when he was saying how God corrected his emotions about what happened to him in life with his dad yeah not being around and God was like because I didn't want you exposed to him not because you're not valued you're not it's because if you had this exposure to him your life would have went this way right 
Now I have strongholds in all of the daddy issues because of what I thought and perceived. I was unwanted. I was right. unwanted. And now God changes the narrative. Now you have to release that because it no longer fits. It doesn't apply anymore. It, it don't apply. Yeah. And you have to be willing to let it not apply and to right. be and right. people are willing, they're committed to being right about how they feel about things. And a lot of times people won't allow God to move in that area to right. show that it's different than what you perceive. Right. And it kind of, again, it allows us to project because if that's no longer true, then I'm responsible, right? I have to take personal accountability for the choices that I've made. That's like, where the maybe, problem comes. Right. And like, maybe that thing that was done to you was unfair, right? But that doesn't get have to determine the course and trajectory of the whole rest of your life. But if I admit that, then, oh, dang, I got to make different choices. I have to take responsibility for what I've done. I'm right. going to have to do something different. And, and so, so yeah. think about fairness like that like you said it's not fair yeah fair is a big thing for people like being fair like it's fair and uh, like that's like what I learned a long time is like God's not fair God is just mm. There's and so when you perceive what's fair and right God doesn't perceive it that but he reigns on the just and the unjust yes. and so he's just and you have to allow God to be God without yes intercepting what God is doing through right. people in people right. because a lot of things is like it pulls things out of you yes and so and we God talking about, yeah yeah he saw yeah. you can see the big picture so it's like if you, you're never going to fully understand what God's doing because his thoughts and ways are so much higher than ours like he can give us revelation but you're not God so there's pieces and things that he's moving around like a whole tapestry he can see that we don't have access to so like you said someone may perceive like man not having my father in my life like I don't have value or, you know, it's not fair when, when, like you said, God was like, I was protecting you from what would have been a more harmful contact than him not being there, right? Him being there. Right. And so I just think it's one of those things, especially when we just talk about God's redemptive power, the fact that he can redeem things that have been lost, things that you didn't get, and you will have even more, but it comes with a, a humility of you being able to admit to God your need. Um, we talked about in the podcast recently that everyone has three significant needs for, to be loved, to feel significant, and to feel secure. And what happens is those needs are all legitimate, but we try to satisfy them illegitimately, right? Yes, we try to come up with other that. things, quick fixes. And it's just like, you're not wrong for feeling loved. So we'll go to that extreme and be like, oh, I don't need relationships. Like, I, no, you do. You do need them and you deserve to feel love just the way you've been trying to feel that need has been illegitimate. So when you allow God to come in and you are able to confess those needs, then he's able to love you directly, of course, but also use other people to show you love. He believes in relationship. Yeah. And so I just think it's such a, a huge thing to understand and acknowledge the character of God, the fact that he's sovereign and being humble enough to say, God, I need you. Like, I'm, yeah. I can't figure it to me, that only comes when you finally surrender to God, mm -hmm. like, and allow him to do the work through you. Yeah. And usually that fight, uh, it reminds me of you I did a while ago about God is the lifeguard on duty. And mm -hmm. what God told me when I was walking is like, uh, I used to be a lifeguard. So he was talking to me about lifeguarding. And he yeah. was like, when you go through the lifeguard process, you can't save anybody until they're done fighting because they'll drown you too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as a lifeguard, you have to wait for people to stop, you know, fighting yeah. the, the drowning, then you can go in and rescue them. Yeah. Well, God was showing me the same thing with myself when I was walking. He was like, are you finished or are you done? Right. I was like, <laughs> you wearing yourself out. Like, stop fighting. Right. right. Girl, will you just pass out already? Like, <laughs> dang. 
like a toddler throwing a tantrum. I'm riding tangling with you. Right. Right. I'm trying to waltz. Like, what? Like, and you were just fighting right back. And finally, right. when you get tired of fighting, you have nothing to do but just lay there. That's when right. God moves because yeah. you can't fight anymore. And so yeah. that's when you become surrendered and you're like, okay, it don't work when I do it. Right. I, I messed it up. You can have it. I'm hard headed. Okay. <laughs> I've tried it my way. It's not working. I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. But also, just like the, it just makes me think of the loving character of God that he's such a good father. I was, you know, I have a 10 year old. And so I was praying over him last night because he's had a little bit of a, of a rough week. And he's just at that age. Gosh, he's not 10. He just turned 11 last week. So he's just at that age where he's starting to kind of, you know, changes are happening and he used to always like you know I'm mama so he used to tell me everything and it's not that he doesn't but his approach to expressing his emotions are just different he's you know that pre-teenager them like nothing's wrong but I know something's wrong and so when I was praying over him last night and I was just the Lord just showed me so clear like you see the way you're placing your hands on him and praying over him and wanting him to open up his heart to you that's how I feel about you Like when I know there's something going on with you, but you won't say it, like it it breaks my heart because I can help you, but you won't tell me, right? And it's not that God doesn't know, but like you said, in that surrender, in that release to him. So it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks, all the things. He's like, even this, this that's heavy on your heart, thinking about him, you're praying over him. You you tell me too. You tell me how that's hurting you, how that's affecting you Mm -hmm. and watch me show up for you. And so I was just thinking like, for those who resist, like whoever this is for, for, for those of you who maybe have had a parent that's been absent, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, know that God is not like man, right? He intends and desires only good for you. And sometimes that good is uncomfortable because it's not what you're used to, but you can be completely transparent with him and tell him. And, and when you are willing to surrender and lay your heart out, like you said, God moves and and he is different than when you vent to a friend, right? Because a, a friend can empathize, a coach can give tips, but God can move on your behalf. And so also, whoever God knows, for, yeah. God knows the real you. So, yes. so yes. when you're venting to other people, you don't always give them all the details. They don't right. really know the desires of your heart. They right. don't even know. They can only take your word for it, but God yes. doesn't have to take your word for it. So he know when you messed up. He know when right. you he know when you're not telling, he know how your heart, where your right. heart history was. That's not something your friends or anybody around you can determine. They don't they know. And he's and able so, to see the things that even you don't know about yourself. Exactly. Right? And all of that growth requires, you know, people always tell me you're, I'm emotional radical. Like I, yeah. I honor all my emotions. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I act them out, but I honor them. And people have such a hard time. Because even culturally, as minorities, we're taught your emotions, you you know, you don't get to have a feeling. You don't yes. get to have emotions. So a lot of times people don't even know how they feel. Yes. And so you don't know that you, you, people don't understand feelings or any of that stuff because you weren't allowed to have those growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, with God, you have to be emotionally radical. Like yes. he needs you to tell him all of his, all your feelings. Yeah. And people have such a hard time doing that and hard time communicating because they don't know. And mm-hmm. so people are even learning how you feel. Like if you're mad, say you was mad. Right, right, right. It's okay. Like, right. <laughs> you know, because right. you, they're like, well, that's emotional. You're like, that's not emotionally. No, that's emotional maturity is honoring yeah. that I'm mad. It's not saying I'm right because I'm mad. Right. It's saying this is the feeling I have right now. Yes. What I do with it matters after that point. But I acknowledge I'm mad. 
Yeah. I'm triggered. You right. triggered me. When right. I'm on communication, you triggered me. Right. But it doesn't mean you did something wrong. Right. Right. It just means that's the feeling that came out of the situation. Right. And I'm triggered. I'm not saying I'm right because I'm triggered. I'm saying I got to figure out why I'm triggered. Right. It's a great emotional awareness and allow myself to have that conversation, allow myself the grace to go through that, to figure out the why without making every feeling something bad. Yes. Attach you when you attach that definition to all your feelings, it doesn't allow you to properly feel because you're thinking if I'm angry, I'm bad. If I'm bad, I'm bad. Like, and so you don't allow yourself to fully feel and then adjust accordingly. And Absolutely. so that's a big problem for people. Yeah, because I think that, you know, like you said, a lot of people based on either their childhood experience, we'll talk in a second before we close out about just with, especially in black culture, people of color, how, you know, expressing emotions often deemed as a luxury, like you don't have time for that. We've not been taught the tools. So it's first of all, being able to identify, do I even know how I feel? Then being able to articulate how I feel and then not judging myself for how I feel. Sometimes we start judging the emotion before we've even allowed it to fully be expressed. Like, oh, I shouldn't be mad. No, you are mad. Now you get to decide what you do as a result of feeling mad, but you are mad. Right. <laughs> like we know you mad. Like your whole right. energy changed right. up. And... Like I'm too mad. You are mad. Right. <laughs> so right. You're mad. Weird. You're mad. So I, I think before we close out though, Jay, because I know we talked about this a little bit before and I think it's such an important conversation. Talk a little bit about how, especially like in the Black community or in communities of color, how emotional intelligence has been an area where we've been stunted, not necessarily due to our own actions, but just the the traditions that were kind of taught or, or impositions that were placed on us that we were in survival mode and sometimes still feel like we are. So the idea of self-awareness, investing in a growth mindset, being an emotionally intelligent person seemed foreign to us. Like we feel like we're playing catch up in those areas. Right, right. So in the Black community, in the minority community, uh, all of the above above in the uh, minority community, um, the three areas where we have problems is emotional awareness, the ability to harness our emotions, and the Mm. ability to manage our emotions. Mm. And that comes from being in survivor mode, like you said. You know, slavery was not that long ago. Right. (laughs) So we're not really generations far. Right. Like immigrants and everything else. You know, even an immigrant's journey over here, you know, all of these different situations, a lot of people are first generation, yes. America's first generation, like educationally, yes. um, so all of these things. And so a lot of time people don't understand that it hasn't been that long. And so every generation did the best that they can. Yes. Well, I believe it's a call from God and he's changing our generation to be the first emotionally healthy generation. Yeah. To be able to see everything for what it is because we're not, we're no longer in survivor. Yes. Yes. Right. So when we come out of surviving, we have, to, we're going to move into thriving. But in order to do that, we have to be able to do the work. And I do feel like it's the call of, um, the millennials to start doing the work because we no longer are surviving anymore. Right. And so I do think it's a call for our generation to be just like they say, this is the first generation of biblically illiterate people. Right. Like right. this is going to also be the post first generational generation of emotionally intelligent people. Yeah. I love that. 
I love that. And yeah. I think, like you said, it's definitely like our generation is kind of bridging the gap. And so we're doing work on both sides. Like we're working on ourselves. We're trying to help educate those who came before us respectfully, of course, understanding and honoring where they've been and then making sure the next generation is informed. So they're not having to redo the work. Right. Like they right. can just keep moving. I mean, forward. the baby boomers are the biggest group of people. So, yeah, right. Like, you know, they really <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not really trying to convince them as much right, about anything right. anymore. I just right. find that we have to thrive because we're dealing with different systems, different things. Different and so they're, they're the people who are retiring right now. Right. And so at that point, you know, you get to retire. That's the luxury you earn in life. Yeah. We're the ones in the thick of it who are uh, trying to correct everything because there was an overcorrection because what happened was when they were, when our, um, our ancestors were going through slavery or, you know, even people who were migrating and all the different things, yeah. uh, they overcorrected by not allowing the emotion to happen as a protection because mm. they would not be able to survive. Right, right. I mean, they were going through the thick of it, like the right. worst, the worst. And so in order to sustain and protect, they, they cut that off. It's not that they didn't mm -hmm. have it, but they conditioned themselves not to allow that to right. happen. Right. Because it would not, they would not be able to make it if they allowed their emotions to be active. Yeah. And so they're no longer bound by that. And so it's all uncomfortable and new because we are learning how to harness that part of it. Because what we have learned, if we haven't learned anything else, if you watch every movie of every group, uh, every history movie or anything about back in the day, you could tell all the famous people all of the stuff, all the issues they had in life are tied to their emotions. Mm. Whitney, mm -hmm. all of them. They yeah. did drugs, you know. Yeah. So it's not that they didn't have, they suppress it and they did things to remove it. Yeah, like, to that's create, like, you know, so they'll do drugs. You know, all of yeah. our um, older people end up, you know, dying, overdosing. Yeah. You know, all this, because they couldn't handle Because you think about going in, you know, segregation, all this, you have trying to handle that. And then you're also trying to support your family, thrive right. too. You can't handle all that. And so what you want to do is be removed from it. Right. The drug does. And that's what all that did is like help them not have that feeling. Right. When emotions started activating, they right. needed it to go away. So you yes, numb it. drugs and all you have to, yeah, yeah, right. It's a numbing effect. Yeah. And so you see in all of the movies, it's the same sad story. They overdo you either, or you get it out in women. So you have 20 kids and right. it comes out. Right. right. It's not right. the right way. And so what we are learning, even like reconditioning people about marriage, like the trauma bonds of that stuff coming out. Now we're learning, okay, wait to get married. Okay. Yeah. You know, like we don't right. need all that. And we're allowing that emotional growth to happen so that we don't use the same numbing machines that our ancestors That's used. Good. Not because we're judging them, because right. we don't have to anymore right we have better tools at our disposal right. now we yeah. have greater resources now that's so good that's so true that emotions can be suppressed but they can only be suppressed for so long and you're always going to need something to numb it if you're not willing to address it i that that's deep well jade i as always love having you i love talking to you i could do it all day long what what is one thing that you would say right now that if you could leave one piece a nugget, a gem to kind of wrap this up, to leave with the listeners, what would you say? I would say in this season of life, show yourself grace. Mm. It's probably the biggest nugget I find with 
coaching and everything that people don't have grace for themselves. Mm. And we are very hard on ourselves. And when you don't have grace for yourself, it stifles your, it stifles your growth because yeah. you're hard on yourself. And so in this season, for God to do the work he's trying to do, for us to reach the elevation we're trying to do, where, where we're trying to get to, for us to even get to the vision of what God has or to see ourselves the way God sees us, we have to be willing and able to show ourselves grace. And in doing that, everything else changes because now we know what that feels like and we will also show grace to everybody else. Yeah. And so I do think in when you're on this journey of growth, it's all growth. Yeah. Growth is fast. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's slow. I'm not saying yeah. it's always bad. I don't know. There's slow growth. <laughs> but <laughs> um, when you're doing this, you there's growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to have grace for yourself and show your own self grace to allow the growth and the journey to happen. Yeah. And when we do that, we're able to thrive emotionally. We're able to have emotional awareness. We're able to have harness our emotions and we're able to manage our emotions and we're able to identify, you know, where we're at, pay attention to our triggers, seek yeah. understanding and then seek to understand others. I love that. I, well, I received that for me. Um, so I just want to thank you again for being here. And then when this episode posts, you guys look in the comments and in the links, and I'm going to have all of Jade's information packed below, because if you are serious about growth, she's someone you need on your team. Jade, thank you okay, so much. Okay, for the serious, not the curious. <laughs> right, for the, right. Like, look, you can just watch her social media if you just trying to see what she's talking about but contact her if you are serious about growth you you've heard it here she's so well-rounded so knowledgeable so articulate and so real she is someone that you need to know so jade again thank you so much thank you so much for having me yeah of course <laughs>